We've got this. Hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh. Hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh. We've got this. Hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh. We've got this. Finding a way. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode four of the Cervical Wellness Podcast. Today, I am very, very excited to introduce to you to my husband, John Randall, as my guest today, and we are speaking about change and making changes in our lives, self-improvement, how to actually, or our thoughts around what is most important to consider when choosing to improve ourselves, whether that's for health, whether that's for more peace or joy in our life, whether that's because we're facing a diagnosis or we just want to evolve as a human in our life. And I invited John onto the podcast because quite frankly, he has been not just my number one support when it comes to my cervical healing journey, my healing journey in general (laughs) of being a human on this planet right now, but also because of his knowledge and his, my perceived uh, deep understanding of the human condition and what it takes to make changes in our life. Because, you know, we've been together for over 12 years and I have witnessed him and he has witnessed me evolve to such a degree that I just really wanted him to bring his voice and his knowledge and understanding of this subject matter to all of you, my beautiful cervical wellness community. John is one of the most well-read people I've ever met. And when I say well-read, I don't mean he's just like read and studied one subject matter. I mean, he's brilliant and about technology and science, but he's also deeply studied in the realms of psychology and human behavior, sociology, history, and also spirituality and and did deep study in the realms of Buddhism and, um, you know, meditation and self-reflection. And he has been a very powerful guide for me over the years. And, you know, when I was thinking about doing this podcast and I was thinking about who I wanted to have featured on this podcast, John was one of the first people I thought of. I'm actually anticipating him being a regular guest on this podcast because, quite frankly, friends, like, yes, me, Danelle, is, you know, the face of cervical wellness, but John is very much one of the founding energies of this work. And I wouldn't be doing this work of cervical wellness without my relationship with John, my marriage with John, my union with John. And so bringing his voice to the table is an important part of rounding out the conversation that is cervical wellness, meaning everything that I talk about when it comes to lifestyle medicine and behavior change and this idea of the cervical healing journey and really taking care of ourselves and taking care of our beautiful bodies 
what John has to bring to the table has been an instrumental part of my personal journey because, like I said, we've been together for 12 years. We've had hundreds of hours of conversations like the one I'm going to share with you today. And I have learned so much and it's about gosh darn time that you (laughs) hear it too. Um, Because he says things in ways that I cannot. My brain doesn't work the same way. And I also think it's important that we bring in a masculine or man's perspective to the conversation because it's not just about like women's health to me is not just about women it's actually about humanity it's about people and so with that I do want to give a little bit of a content warning John uses strong language so if your children are nearby please use headphones or just know that he does use some strong language And with that, I hope you enjoy the episode and do know that he's going to be a regular guest on the podcast because we could have been talking for hours, but (laughs) I limited us. So without further ado, here is my conversation with John Randall. Hi, John. Welcome to the Cervical Wellness Podcast. Hello, Danelle. Hello, Cervical Wellness Community and Greater World. (laughs) I'm excited to have you on, not just because you're my husband, but because you have been an instrumental part and partner for me on just the healing, health, and self-improvement journey. So where I want to begin is I want to actually share about how our relationship started, and then we'll dive into the conversation. So... John and I met at a time when I, it was like literally probably two months after I decided to make a change in my life. I um, had been, you know, drinking a lot and taking drugs and eating really crappy food and felt really bad in my body and, you know, had abnormal pap smears um, and knew that I needed to make a change and so I wanted to make a change and then I met John and literally within I think like the first like within two weeks of us meeting and like quote starting to date we decided to do a master cleanse together and was that the first time you've ever done a cleanse John yeah most definitely okay so if you don't know what the master cleanse is it's like this really intense 10 day (laughs) like water fast basically or you drink like lemon juice and cayenne pepper and maple syrup but that really was like the foundation of our relationship and we started we became officially together um on the final day of that cleanse that's when we became monogamous do you remember that we've always been officially together okay well (laughs) anyway so why I brought that forward is because you have really, you know, for the last 12 years have been my partner in change in health and wellness and self-improvement. And so I just, I'm curious, I would love to hear you speak about what was that time of the life, your life like for you and, you know, doing a master cleanse and what is your background in self-improvement and personal development, I guess. 
well, this is one of the synchronicities of the universe that I just happened to, prior to meeting you, be in the same space that I was, um, I was undergoing a, a transition of sorts. I'd shunned off dating and women and um, decided to uh, focus on myself and my healing journeys uh, and had been reading books for the previous several years on health and wellness and researching things like cancer just because I wanted to understand the physiological antecedents and process of such things and how we could improve it. Uh, and uh, meeting you was the universe bringing us together to help each other, it very much seems. Mm. And uh, so we found that common ground on forward progress that uh, both you and I were directing ourselves in the same direction. Mm. And um, in doing so, we just kind of found our, our natural parallel paths that uh, were complementary. So... Um, us doing like the master cleanse and stuff was perfect timing and I mean immediately following I think we went to Burning Man and <laughs> yeah. so I'm like a whole bunch of new things and so growth in the same direction seems to be the basis of our relationship and I mean it has proceeded to even recently to right now to this podcast <laughs> with me like you said on the other side of the microphone and you on that side both new experiences for both of us uh, and so it's a process of diving off the edge into ignorance and seeing what happens mm. i'm uh, very happy to be here to share whatever I, I can with your community and to uh, provide them context within which they may be able to uh, make such changes and meet such people in their lives so yeah, uh, yeah happy to be here mm. yeah you know just with my career choice i've you know obviously been privy to hundreds, maybe even like thousands of conversations at this point about people who want to make a change or who want to improve their lives or who want to, who know that maybe not even want to because want and needing to are very different things to make a change. Um, but I would just like, what, what do you think is like a quality of personality or what do you think is like a quality of an individual who wants to make a change to actually make the change because what I have seen just in people in my life and and clients and you know family members that there are people who want to or know they need to improve themselves in some way or change their habits or change their lives or whatnot but not everybody follows through and not everybody actually does the thing and I'm just curious to hear your thoughts about that and what you think is behind like the actual impetus to making a change or doing something hard like the master cleanse or what are you know we can talk about other ways that we've changed our lives too but I'm just curious to hear about what you think is the driving force behind actually doing the thing these are kind of perennial human issues that I mean everybody knows this the uh, I'm gonna start the new year with this resolution to do this thing and then you know quickly falls off uh, and so what comes to mind is um, two things, courage and persistence. Hmm. So courage is not the lack of fear, it's proceeding despite it. And fear can take a lot of different forms, but ultimately it's uh, oftentimes resistance, a la War of Art and Stephen Pressfield, that um, creativity is 
is uh, unexplored terrain and humans have a inbuilt necessity for safety found oftentimes in familiarity that we seek what we know because we know how it's going to result and doing something new uh, opens up the possibility that you you're going to probably fuck it up or you're going to have to learn or give up portions of your life or possibly even just the notion that you may have to give up something that you cherish or you think is of value now um, is a resistance that most people run into shortly after trying something new because uh, that, that impetus to do things is like that dream in your mind that you strive for but when it it comes to reality um, reality pushes back and so you're gonna have to um, to be courageous in the face of that sort of resistance and fear um, but additionally you have to be persistent mm. you have to keep on going because you're gonna it's like walking blind in the desert you can't walk in a straight line if you have mm. a blindfold on you end up like curving to the left or the right and eventually you walk right back to where you started mm. um, and so um, you have to be all right with that and, and ending up where you started, but with the knowledge of the, the short journey you took to get there and the, the futility or the, the perceived futility of trying those things and not actually getting where you want to go because mm -hmm. uh, you have to start again from the same place and keep on going. Mm -hmm. and, and incremental progress might be just inches over time, uh, but eventually you start straightening that shit out and you start... Your, your compass to true north becomes informed by your journey and you learn how to like steer the ship of your life to get to where you want to go and you make more and more progress um, but it requires fundamentally those two things you have to want to um, to overcome the resistances uh, to such a degree that you're able to keep on going uh, and the easiest way to do that is to have a clear vision of who you want to be yeah. and then and then be all right with you know having to sacrifice portions of your life to get there there's no way around the hard work you have to do to get to where you want to go nobody can do it for you mm. yeah you know people in my community here online they're privy and know about my healing journey you know healing my cervix and um and if you don't know if you're listening to this like i don't know this well like <laughs> listen to one of the many podcasts I've been a guest on. I've shared the story quite a bit, but you know, I'm very candid about all the things that I had to give up, like alcohol, like a lifestyle that I really enjoyed, even friendships, even letting go of some of like my quote dreams of wanting to be a jet setter or whatnot, you know, recognizing that that wasn't actually for my well-being. Um, so I, I'm curious if there's an example in your life of something that you've had to work hard for in terms of your well-being or so like because you you spoke to about the journey of was it like walking blind in the desert you kind of end up back where you started and it's just like an incremental um forward progress that you have to be okay with it being slow like that's at least how at least initially yeah I, at least that's how i heard about it and do you have an example in your life? I mean, I could I could speak to it because I'm your wife, but I would love to just know what you what was an example in your life of something you've 
overcome or have you know changed through it's almost hard to define because it's so glacial and continental it's <laughs> like it, it's so fundamental to my being these things that i've shifted that um like our nervous systems are contrast recognizing mechanisms we see black on white and movement uh, against a static background but we have a very hard time distinguishing um, very slight shades of gray or mm. degrees of amplitude. Um, so white on white is going to go unnoticed because it's not a snake in the grass. Uh, and so um, seeing these things over a long period of time is more a, a product of recognizing landmarks as they pass. Like, holy shit, I've really lost 30 pounds or mm. whatever. Um, and so I could speak to a number of different things in my life that... Um, that I have shifted over time, but none of them have been like monumental stake in the, the ground and, and complete pivot. It's been more like as a, a younger man, I used to drink a lot and like I could pound 151 and fucking hardcore, you know, <laughs> to the max. Woo! And um, these days, if I attempted to do that, it would cause a revulsion in my body my body would be like fuck you what are you doing that's a bad idea and it would quickly tell me that primarily because i've made the incremental improvements and in health of cleaning everything up internally and because of which my sensitivity to the poisons that i put in it are uh, a lot more um loud uh, and so it, that seems to be the product uh, of this sort of work across the board. It's like, um, I really want to um, go to sleep on time. Mm. But that was a, a, a long journey. I mean, it started with trying to get up on time and, um, and doing like 5 a.m. for years and years and then realizing I wasn't getting enough sleep. So... Um, I had to start improving the quality of my sleep and then eventually came to, oh, going to sleep on time seems to be the best way to get up on time. My body um, has a natural rhythm and I just work with it instead of forcing it into a new habit pattern. Um, and so uh, that took years to figure out. Mm. And it's only looking back from this landmark that I'm able to recognize, oh, like five years ago I stepped like... 2 a.m. playing video games and um, and now I go to sleep at 9 uh, p.m. without any freaking issue because I'm not like watching TV, eating late. Uh, I'm reading a book with blue blocking glasses on at 8 p.m. because my body's used to it at this point. And a huge amount of this, this sort of work is working with the natural rhythms of your body. Uh, I just read the book um, Happiness Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt and it describes what I think is an accurate relationship everybody should use to conceive of um, in in their life of having a body because um, a body is, is very much independent of you in a lot of respects what we perceive of as cognition is kind of a higher order abstraction um, that is distinct from our bodily sensations like hunger and fear and um and anxiety and uh, and lust these things in that book were conceived of as um a rider and an elephant uh, like you as a conscious being being the rider on uh on 
and in concert with your body, which is very much like an elephant. And you can't like can't push an elephant around. That motherfucker's big. Um, and has a mind of its own. It's trying to it has its own agenda, like uh, trying to do its own things, and you have to be in negotiations with it. Mm. Um, so you have to build a relationship with your elephant and and learn to like scratch behind the ear and then like coax it into the actions that were mutually beneficial to both of you. Um, so that's the the longer term thing you got to work with most people overestimate what they can get done in a day and underestimate what they can get done in a week Mm. um, because it's uh, it's not part of our contrast recognizing mechanisms to see that longer term progress and so just a little bit over a long period of time leads to dramatic change Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's um, those aspects of uh, this journey i've had uh, and I mean, it's it's fundamental to huge portions of different parts of my life. But over time, you start to recognize this progress, and that's when you really you're bolstered in your um, your efforts because you see it and you're proud of it. You're like, damn, yeah, I lost that thirty pounds, or uh, I'm going to sleep on time, and I'm getting up on time, and my business is growing, and uh, yeah, it it's like watching plants grow, right? Mm-hmm. If you ever grown a plant, you don't really notice it until like a week later. Like, holy crap, that thing shot up. Uh, and so such is the nature of living complex systems. Mm. Slow growth over time. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly as rewarding and whatever everybody wants because they're so used to in- instant gratification. But right. um, yeah, it's the, the only process I know of to undergo to make these changes in our lives. Mm. I'm happy I've made every decision I have over the last 20 years, good and bad bad is as useful as good Mm. yeah i think what you um one thing that you're pointing to is the importance of kind of like resting into the understanding that you have to move through time to get to the change because you know in the conversations that i have i mean even i feel it myself too like when something's going wrong or you notice something about your life or your body that you want to change it's like you want to change immediately you know like for example like when i had this facial infection and dead tooth experience last year like i wanted that infection gone like Mm -hmm. you know i saw it on the cat scan and it was the size of a small golf ball and it was terrifying and so you know when we have this like clarity moment of when we like see what we want to have changed like whether that's you see yourself in the mirror you finally feel how unwell you feel because you are like 40 pounds overweight or whatever it is or you realize like how stiff you are because you haven't stretched in you know years and when we have that clarity what I have found within myself and in the clients that I've spoken to is there's this desire to have a change immediately because there's like a like a, a, a horror in recognition of where we have become or like where how the state that we are in but what i what i rest into and think about just within my own life is that which you also spoke to is that it's like a little bit every day and then over time you have to like move through the time continuum while doing these new behaviors just a little bit every day you will reorient Mm -hmm. the the ship of your life and actually in this first episode of the podcast i talk about the metaphor i use of you can't like turn a ship on a dime it has to be mm. like a slow like gra- miles and miles yeah slow gradual turning so you know 
Um, another thing you mentioned that I just want to mention here, or just like um, repeat back, but in, in a different way is um, how as you do this over time and you start to recognize the landmarks that you have crossed, um, how it bolsters you in your knowing that you can change. And in my graduate school program, we learned that that's called self-efficacy, which is one's personal belief that one can do something. And for people who have never done any sort of self-improvement or have never really tried to make a change in their life, they actually have weak self-efficacy where they don't know and don't believe that they can do something because they haven't actually achieved or, you know, gone through the process of doing something to lead them to believe that they can do something, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So, you know... One thing I, you know, as being an integrative health coach, even before cervical wellness, I was working with clients who were, you know, morbidly obese or who had like diabetes or even cardiovascular disease. Um, One of the things that they would come up to while bolstering that self-efficacy was just lack of belief in their self. And I know we've talked about this a lot just with people in our life, but seeing people just give up and fall back into those old patterns that you spoke to earlier it's like things that are known which feel safe and I'm wondering if you could speak to um, the process of change or doing hard things I know you speak to what is called the Dunning-Kruger effect just a lot in our personal life and um, if you could please speak about that and what you know about doing new things and overcoming inertia and defeat if things don't go perfectly well the first time you try. Yeah, and you you touched upon what I now see as probably the most important lesson to learn in this sort of process of change that that our minds are kind of massless. So uh, mass equals inertia. You're running in a straight line or you have a train going in a straight line. It's really hard to stop like or a, a ship, like you're saying, um, because the, uh, the inertia in the system wants it to keep going in the direction it started in. Our minds don't have that property. They can jut around through space time like crazy. So you can see somebody that has the body you want or um, that has overcome something that you have not. And... Uh, that you want, uh, but you currently don't have. And and the comparison between our, our mind's ability to jut to the end goal uh, and the empirical experience of actually undergoing the change is probably one of the most profound lessons you will learn if you continue to try to grow in your life. Mm-hmm. That uh, That is... the day-to-day experience of growing or or getting through a process that will leave you where you want to be is uh, is an experience oftentimes of difficulty and not of triumph at all Uh, recently i've been sick and had like what i presume to be covid and i went through like fever dreams for days and days and during that experience it was grueling. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be in that process. I wanted it to be over. I just wanted to get back to work and get back to health. And um, and now that it's over, looking back, it's like, oh, yeah, it wasn't so bad. But in the process, it fucking sucked. 
It was it was like um, you know fever dreams are just this confusing mess of ugh, I don't want it's uncomfortable. It's like sitting on um, keys or something that you can't get away from, uh, and you have to be all right with that enduring that process. Um, and and enduring is um, is something that you don't have control over. Hmm. You uh, you merely have to be along for the ride, like getting on a roller coaster and be like, oh shit, oh shit, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this. I don't. They're not going to stop the roller coaster and roll it back for you. You are on that trip now. Uh, and uh, I've experienced this several times, climbing to the top of a roller coaster for the first drop and... Um, and being adverse to it and like, oh, I don't want to do it. And then like by the time you drop and you're into it, your body is undergoing sensations that like you, you probably wouldn't have chosen just because they're so extreme. But by the end of it, you roll into that, um, that dock, that, um, the platform and you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I just did that. That was amazing. Let's go again. Or at least that's oftentimes the, the experience, um, and I'm not saying, yeah, we have a cat here that's yelling at us. Um, I'm not saying that fevers are fun or losing weight is going to be um, uh, going to be an experience much like that. But it does speak to the empirical reality of growth, mm. which is oftentimes uncomfortable and it requires nothing but endurance. Mm. You have to endure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can, while enduring, change the habits that got you where you are just through small increments towards that goal you wish to achieve, um, you will get there in uh, in a uh, intrinsically massless mental way in uh, in no time at all. Because mm. there is no time. It's only this moment. We're only floating on a moment. And it, it feels like forever when uh, it's like Einstein, um, an hour with a beautiful woman is like five minutes, five, five seconds with your hand on the stove is like an hour because mm. time psychologically is very much relative and your body is telling you, get away from this or whatever it is, um, especially if your mind is feeding it imagery and, um, and experiences that it doesn't like because your mind can't, oh, I'm sorry, your body can't tell the difference between the experience you're having in the external world and mental images and thoughts you you feed it uh, through volition or through compulsion. Um, like, oh, I can't believe I lost my boyfriend. I, I loved him so much or whatever it is. That That is something that is not real in the immediate moment, mm. but it's something we can drag with us through that, that weightless, inertialess realm uh, and, and cause ourselves tons of pain. Mm. So... Um, I suppose there's also the 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 experience of the mental discipline. I suppose that's yeah. part of courage. Or I suppose that's part of endurance. Um, but to to have some sort of way to externalize your dreams uh, and your ambitions, so that you can kind of see that progress externally. Like a lot mm. of people will have a vision board or. Um, or like it said in, in business and in science, uh, what you measure, you can control. Mm. Um, so having some sort of externalization of your progress as well can help you um, abstract that notion from the realm of no time into the realm of mm. time so that you can keep on going. Because you're going to hit that three-week mark and it's going to be like, oh, I'll just have one cookie or whatever uh, and 
in that you will possibly begin to backslide right. very often. And it takes like, what, six weeks, eight weeks to break a habit or start a new one. Right. And then that's just the beginning. You're starting a new way of life that you dedicate to. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are my comments on uh, on growth and progress uh, in a personalized experience because it's it's going to the experience itself is not necessarily going to be pleasant at all no no unfortunately yeah when i decided to get sober from cannabis i used um an app i was like i had to check in with the app every day i think that what you just spoke to about having something external to keep you accountable um, that's one reason why people like hire health coaches is not because Oftentimes people know what they need to do. It's all about the accountability. Mm -hmm. It's all about how do you hold yourself accountable to making the changes that you want to make to overcome the, in like the, the mental process that might pull you back into this old way of being physiological. Like you're changing your diet, your gut microbiome is going to be changing out like an ecosystem would given environmental changes like the rainforest does. If it's too hot, more of these flowers bloom leading to those insects. Right. That happens in your gut as well, which informs your, your tastes and your experience. So as parts of your gut microbiome are dying off, you're getting a whole bunch of bad feelings, uh, which are trying to, they're disincentivizing you to continue on that process. But you have to keep that externalization. You have to keep that courage. You have to keep that endurance through that process because on the other side of it, it gets a lot easier. I was just thinking about how actually when making really any sort of change, there is and I'm just thinking about how we can be like addicted to our habits. So addicted to like social media or staying up late watching TV or not moving our body and how in that initial period of change, it's always, it's like, I don't know of any moment where it's not, not, I don't know of any example when it's not uncomfortable, like whether it's your gut microbiome changing out or you're changing your neurochemistry of like having like a dopamine fast or, you know, starting to work out again after a long time and you're freaking sore and you don't, you know, you can't sit down well. And I think there's a lot of people who um, kind of uh, like steer clear of that discomfort. Right. Yeah. They don't want... Voluntary discomfort is the most powerful decision you can make in your life. Right. Right. Because I... Was it you who said the quote to me? It's like either you choose hard or hard chooses you. That's true. Yeah. Because it's... um, it's, This comes from Jordan Peterson. And... um, you either choose your sacrifice right, that's what or your sacrifice chooses you. Okay. So like if you ignore your health for long enough, your body will tell you by, you know, an ulcer or right. some more uh, extreme degenerative disease that comes becomes symptomatic. Um, but if you make that choice on your own before you get any symptoms because you have this desire for six-pack abs or just stop being in pain... Um, and you make that choice over time and you grow in the opposite direction, you never have to encounter that sacrifice you did not choose because you made those little sacrifices over time, such as the nature of the universe. Right. I feel like I just want to name too that, you know, there are people who are born with like congenital diseases or whatnot or whatnot, 
But I've also seen amazing TED Talk. I saw, I don't know his name, but I saw this amazing TED Talk of a man who was born with no arms and no legs and was in, you know, a wheelchair. And he is buff. Like he, (laughs) he's like a motivational speaker and he's like, he's like crazy strong, extremely healthy. And one of the things that he speaks about is how he didn't let how, you know, what he was born into stop him. Mm -hmm. And... I, you know, there are some people out there who really lean into their victimhood. And like, I mean, I, people wouldn't know this looking at me, but I have several things that I, in my life could have leaned into around being a victim, like, you know, premature baby parts of me didn't actually develop enough. And, you know, I've had, I had issues as a child and whatnot. But I think what we're speaking to here is that, you know, with the power of our mind and an externalization of our goals to hold us accountable, that you really can make any change that you desire. And it's going to be hard. I never want to let someone believe that doing these sorts of things is easy or simple. But I've, I've witnessed in people in my life and past clients who came from very difficult backgrounds or socioeconomic situations or um, previous health conditions. I had I have my very first coaching client actually in graduate school. He had like three chronic diseases. I don't know if you remember Mark. Do you remember? Anyway, he had like three oh, yes, chronic right. diseases. I worked with him for like nine months and one day something clicked for him and he ended up losing like 75 pounds. All of his chronic diseases went away and now he does like 250 mile bike rides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I guess I'm just sharing all this because I really want to let people know that like change is possible. And I think sometimes people see you and I, John, and we're, you know, we're relatively healthy and we're both entrepreneurs and they're like, oh, they have it easy or they, they know what they're doing, but it hasn't been easy. Dude, being in a human body ain't easy. It doesn't matter who you are. The richest and most privileged amongst us have their own host of issues and we're all facing the same grave and degeneration this is kind of buddha's point that suffering uh, disease and death are uh, part of all of our stories Uh, and so uh, i'm fond of considering that it does not matter where you are in your life at all what really matters is the direction you're heading in Hmm. because It's not the achievement of a goal that gives our lives meaning. It's progress towards that goal and Mm -hmm. recognizing our our agency in being able to move towards that goal. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's you that did it and you see the progress. That's what matters. Um, So these people with um, born with difficulties of various sorts, um, I'm not saying I'm not trying to minimize those things because they are the the difficulties that you perceive them to be. Um, but what will give your life meaning and will increase your happiness the most is moving towards the goal you want away from the life you don't by your own actions. Um, the 
uh, oftentimes Emmy has been thought for uh, 50, 100 years, um, and it, it still really hasn't penetrated the consciousness of our, um, our, our scientific institutions or general uh, milieu, uh, our zeitgeist, that genes are not destiny. They're an initial blueprint upon which your body um, draws different aspects to build your body. And epigenetics that is environmental influence on what genes are expressed is very much in your control and far more important. Mm -hmm. You can, like vitamin D for instance, is a governing hormone, it's not really a vitamin, that controls the expression of 2,000 plus genes that change the way your body constructs itself, um, the composition of your neurochemistry, and by which all of your motivations and experiences in life so, oh, I'm tired and I'm depressed and uh, all of these symptoms that are, are not trivial at all. That's the, the grist of um, the human experience. But what improves that lot uh, is you making those decisions on a, on a daily basis to move in that direction and then your physiology starts cooperating mm. with you you're steering that ship by little bits and eventually you're not going to hit land anymore you're heading back out to sea to new adventures um, it's not going to be catastrophic even though it looked like it before you started making those changes even during the initial parts of making those changes in your life still looks like you're going to hit the fucking land and you're going to run aground and all your cargo is lost whatever um so uh, the idea that we have a great degree of empowerment around the way our life goes um, really needs to be um, brought to the forefront in our culture. Mm. These things aren't destiny. Uh, they are where you are currently headed and you can bank uh, and change that direction right now while you're listening to this podcast, you can do five push-ups. Like this is again from Jordan Peterson that you want to pick the smallest thing that you can conceive of that will actually move you towards your goal. Uh, in uh, in aversion therapy, for instance, if you're scared of spiders, um, you don't jump to picking up a tarantula. Fuck that jazz. You want to do the smallest thing you can in relation to that to begin desensitizing yourself to the stimulus. So you you can't even think about a spider because that causes you to break out into sweats and you don't want to do that. So you write spider on the page uh, of paper and if that's too much, you write an S. And if that's too much, you, um, I don't know, start with crayons and you draw a rainbow and then you draw a little spider in the corner. Whatever it is, <laughs> the smallest increment that you can tolerate on a regular and ongoing basis is where you start. Hmm. And that is monumental. That is the mountain being conquered. That is everything, grain of sand that eventually adds up to um, enough to sway your world. Hmm. Um, so... Yeah, I encourage you to try. The number one uh, determinant of, of whether you can say like quit smoking is how many times you've tried to stop. Because yeah. each time you do, you're opening a little gap 
And each gap is something you never, ever lose. Your body learns something from that. And so over time, you're like, oh, I'll try again. Fuck, I don't want to do this. And you, you stop smoking for a day and you, you start coughing up bullshit and uh, you start smoking the following day because you feel like shit. Each time you do that, you're changing your trajectory, your destiny in a way that is in, incomprehensible to you right now, but the future you is looking back and appreciating those efforts, is mm. are, are cheering you on to the person you will eventually be. Mm. And you get to decide that. That's, mm. that's the great lesson of the universe, that this is yours, all of it. You, you're perfectly embedded in the exact right place you need to be to make the growth that you um, that you ultimately can choose to adopt mm -hmm. and the universe is around you hugging you constantly trying to coax you forward into that better you and that's what we all want you of you um, we all want you to be healthy and well um, because it, it echoes out into the rest of your body through other people um, through the atmosphere, through the land you touch, through the food you eat, the decisions you make in what you buy, all of these things are making the world uh, a more coherent place or distracting little bits of it. Mm. So you can decide that in your own life. Who do you want to be and mm. how do you want to get there? Because it can be, uh, it, it doesn't matter if it's a little grain of sand or a boulder. It matters that you are putting it on the scale. Mm. And what I tell my clients, you know, a lot of people, they, um, they want to do everything all at once. You know, as I mentioned, when they get bad news or they see something clearly in their life, they want to like change everything all at once. Um, but what I tell people is just do one thing a day, uh -huh. one thing a day on, be on behalf of your body or on behalf of you know the improvement of your life in some way and then just like you said it's it's that one little grain of sand over time builds up into sandcastle you know and so i think that <clears throat> yeah just as you mentioned before there's something about our culture in this like instant gratification world that we live in now is people forget that it just it's just a little bit every day over time and great change can happen i mean that's how Great Wall of China was built, right? Like one brick at a time. That's how all these things, like, you know, the greatest novels are written one word at a time, one page at a time. The greatest um, opuses or symphonies are written one note at a time, these sorts of things. And if, um, you know, for those of you who are listening, it, what the one thing I w would want you to take away from this conversation is that like no, no action you take is wasted. Like nothing that you do on behalf of yourself, on behalf of your life, your health, um, the well-being of you and your family and loved ones, your joy, your, your peace, your contentment, nothing that you do is ever wasted. So even if you like fall off the proverbial wagon of taking care of yourself for like two weeks or a month or six months or five years, like, that doesn't mean that all the good that you've done for your life has been for naught. Like you can just pick up 
put yourself back on the wagon or pick up the ball again and continue back where you left off. And as you mentioned, John, like your body remembers it because our body is always moving towards homeostasis. Our body is always constantly every day moving towards healing, like regeneration, well-being. That's what our body wants. Our body wants to live. Our body wants to feel good. Our body wants to feel at peace. And it's, you know, guiding us through these symptoms and sensations and emotions and, you know, inner mind experiences too, that what it, which it needs to experience peace and joy and contentment and well-being. And, so if for, for any of you who are like overwhelmed with the thought of like making big changes in your life or if you have a diagnosis or if you are like getting really clear about a way that you've been living that doesn't feel right or good instead of seeing it as the big mountain before you just look at that first step like what is the thing you have to do today mm-hmm. what's one thing to do today or what's one thing to do this morning or this afternoon what okay wake up in the morning and like what's like, how are your thoughts? Are you thinking negatively or are you thinking positively? Maybe that's just the one thing is just to notice, you know, your mindset for the day. Um, and that's why, you know, one of my phrases for cervical wellness, and it's actually in the intro and outro is we've got this because I think that you got to really like pump yourself up. Like I, yeah. I'm a huge advocate for being our own personal cheerleader, our own personal coach really it's like we all have the capacity to either beat ourselves down or to lift ourselves up and so this phrase we've got this or i i would say i've got this to myself in my mind like i've got this i've got this okay danelle we're quitting smoking cannabis after (laughs) many years like okay day 20 i've got this i've got this all right now it's been you know three months all right i've got this and i'm over eight months sober and i'm like i still i've got this i've got this and you did that in the face of me still needing to use cannabis on uh, to ameliorate my own own discomfort so it uh, i was going to comment on how a large number of people find benefit in doing this sort of thing in a community and accountability but ultimately like you were describing it's a decision you have to make yes. and you have to do it for yourself. Uh, you have to do it because you want something. Yes. Uh, and so your own internal motivations can drive you because other people can help you, but it's still you that has to do the, the, the work. Right. Actually, that's a good segue to something like one of the final things I want to talk about, which is being in relationship and partnership. Right. Right. Full circle. And, um, you know, one of the big complaints that I have received from women that I worked with is that they want to make all these changes, you know, improve their lives and we change their diets, um, you know, just looking at mental health or even spiritual well-being, but their partners, boyfriends, husbands, whomever don't and or are adverse to it or are maybe not as inclined to do that sort of work. And I guess I, I don't really have like a question per se, as I would just like to muse upon, um, you know, being in relationship while on a self-improvement journey. And, you know, what I have noticed just in like relationships I've witnessed is if one is on a self-improvement journey and the other is not, is like that person who is kind of like leaves that other person in the dust in a way. It's yeah, like, yeah. you know, you move so far beyond who you were when you first met that 
you're no longer the same person and so that relationship doesn't work anymore and so i know for us like we we've been together over 12 years now and we have changed a lot over these 12 years and i'm just curious to hear your thoughts about being in relationship and um before i pass the microphone to you i, I also want to name that you I don't want to say you're hard on me, but you have high expectations of me to do work on myself and with myself. And I know some people might see that as being mm, like not your place to, you know, prompt me, but you call me out on my BS. And, and I'm very grateful for that because I think I would have been complacent in some areas of my life and you like called me to being better and um yeah i just want to hear your thoughts about that yeah uh it's i consider it bullshit to can to think that it is not my place because i am in uh, a reciprocal union with you i have to tolerate you right <laughs> i have and to you, tolerate you too <laughs> yeah right this is this is the point uh, that there is an elasticity to progress of this sort and, um, like if you have two partners and they're both 300 pounds and, and one partner starts getting in super great shape and it eventually is like, yeah, ripped and like, um, super healthy. Uh, the other one is going to, in a way, get guilted into either action or stubbornness and the elasticity, the elasticity of that bond will tolerate a good deal of of stretching but it may break as well depending upon the disparate motivations of the two people involved so i'd say more often than not the other person gets dragged along because mm. like they're gonna feel somewhat jealous somewhat guilty and that's not a bad thing um they're in our culture we tend to label good and bad emotions or feelings and i don't think that's entirely accurate i think they're either useful or not mm. like you can berate yourself and, and cause yourself great harm by saying oh i'm so stupid i'm terrible i'm um, fat and lazy whatever the fuck um, but you can also consider that as a motivating force like oh i'm heavier than i want to be fuck, I guess I'll go to the gym. Or, or, damn, she's getting in good shape. I kind of feel like I should stop drinking beer. Or whatever it is. Um, that if you are in a relationship and you want change for yourself in your life, whether that be in union with somebody or not, uh, it behooves you to start now and with yourself because you will likely positively influence the people around you and you'll make partners of them. It's, uh, imagine somebody like a friend of yours who is like super uh, not in good shape and working at a dead end job and they fucking ghost everybody. And they come back six months later and they fucking, they got their shit together. They're in great shape and they have this new job that is unbelievable. Like how did you manage that? Um, that would be super motivating. It may cause tinges of jealousy or discomfort, but it's a discomfort that is rooted in a self-recognition of, um, of a lack of effort, motivation, 
striving on on the the person's part that's making the observation they'll start to question their own presumptions about the world and about their decisions in it uh, and it, it may fracture the relationship it, it very well may and often uh oftentimes it definitely strains it but i would guess that if it does break that bond that elastic bond then the relationship was built on faulty assumptions to begin with mm. that there were desperate motives that were leading to the bond instead of um, positive motivations towards a better life uh, of some sort. Um, and when something is born of desperation, it doesn't have very much resiliency, uh, especially if, uh, if half of that, uh, what is it? Um, what did you, what do you call uh, the, like an unhealthy bond relationship, you have mentioned that you, you've had codependency, codependency yeah. right? Um, so if it's built upon codependency, then uh, it's, and then one person breaks that codependency and becomes independent and begins growing on their own, the other person is given the opportunity that they wouldn't have had elsewise because it was too comfortable. They knew the, the result of the dynamic that was in place but if they were if that that dynamic is broken in a positive way as in um they're given an example of of wow i can do it i've known this person for 10 years and they've lost all this weight in six months or whatever uh, wow i guess i can i can try uh, i guess it's worth trying because i want that too um so uh, th that would be my commentary on how a um a dichotomy in relationship that is either constructive or destructive uh, can go, and um, I would guess that that more often than not, you're going to positively influence the people around you to your own benefit as well. Mm -hmm. So I highly encourage you to start in any way you can, and then like have a candid conversation with the people you interact with, honesty and accountability. Hey, I'm, I'm trying to do this. Uh, I really want to start eating well. And we kind of, we both go to the grocery store together. I don't really want to eat anything in the middle of the grocery store anymore. I just want to eat green things and, and meat or, or things like that. Um, can you help me? Can you help me do that for myself uh, by maybe not eating Cheetos in front of me or something? Like, I don't, I'm not going to begrudge you. You're, you're, uh, your own vices or your own desires, whatever. But I'm trying to do this for myself. Um, that sort of parody and example is powerful to the extreme. Mm. This is alchemy. This is what Jesus did to the people around him is um, such an extreme change that you necessarily pull through osmosis or gravity, the people around you, the gravity of your actions, of your change. Uh, and I think this is the method by which any positive worldly change would happen. It's on an individualistic basis through mm -hmm. the small, very unassuming decisions we make on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I think one of the major things in our relationship was that you weren't codependent. So you kind of rejected my codependency. I guess when I say you called me out on my BS, that was you calling me out on my codependency. Um, yeah, it's it's a, a matter of um, self-worth as well. Right. I don't want to tolerate that shit. I want you um, 
to be getting better, not for me, but for you. Because, right. like, I can see the potential in you. I can see you can do better. And right. uh, I don't think feeding into um, to that victimization or that, uh, that lack of motivation, that, um, that discouraging instead of encouraging mentality would help you. Mm-hmm. And so um, I categorically reject it, even though it's going to cause turmoil or difficulty. I also want to name, I've, I've supported you in your change, oh, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's no way around that. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, I very much appreciate you calling me out on my bullshit <laughs> and such. And making hard decisions that I, I have later followed. Like, again, we talk about cannabis. You stop smoking or using to a great degree in my um, my diminution of, uh, of use has been primarily motivated by health concerns i couldn't i simply could not inhale anything anymore because it was causing me such distress uh, but that led to using it less and less and i think that is that's couched in your whole decision as mm-hmm. well um, that you have made it easier by creating a gravity towards the opposite pole and right so um, your decisions have uh, it helped me a lot too. Hmm. It, it kind of reminds me of two orbiting bodies uh, in astronomy. They're like the most common configuration for a solar system is a binary star hmm. because it is stable because they're counterbalancing each other like a bolo. Hmm. Uh, and a single star can wobble easily or can get pulled off course, but a binary star has this rotational inertia that keeps it stable in uh in multi-dimensional space that's probably why we've gotten so far together just in our lives positively yeah yeah i've been on the healing journey together for over 12 years Mm -hmm. um oh man there's one final thing i wanted to say it's gone that's okay (laughs) well john i just you know we have these conversations all the time, and I just want to thank you for being one of the first guests on the Cervical Wellness Podcast. And you know, before we sign off, are there any, like, I know you're a big reader, and that's um, actually another thing that was at the beginning of our relationship, was I noticed all of the books you had were on my to-read list. Mm-hmm. But do you have any, like, favorite self, like, I don't like the word self-help. I feel like self-help kind of has a strange connotation just like books regarding personal development or self-improvement that you would recommend there's so many uh what's your like top two or three that off the top of your head it's hard to even pull them out because all this information's interconnected but um recently reread the power of now so in the spiritual realm of um of centering yourself and coming back to the present moment, recognizing the illusions of the mind and how that pulls you in all these different directions. That one has been um, integral. I've read it several times in my life. Um, I know I'm going to think of all of these in the the future and be like, oh, shit, I should have mentioned that. Um, The Four Agreements Mm -hmm. has been pretty fucking fantastic. Miguel Ruiz, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean understanding that you absolutely shouldn't be harming yourself with your thoughts and your mind and if you are that's the wrong direction that's Mm. your body telling you whoa hold on there this isn't necessary that's not to say that you need you don't need to to push yourself a little bit Um, but if it's causing harm uh, then it is the wrong direction Um, another for specifically guys is 
uh, king warrior magician lover mm. uh, which speaks to the Jungian archetypes of mature masculinity uh, and there are parallel archetypes for women but I mean I can only really speak to the masculine experience uh, but knowing what a king should look like uh, is extremely useful because then it, it provides a target to move towards mm. um, and so the, the idea of a an actualized king who who is dangerous necessarily a fucking monster but has that monster on a leash mm. and is uh, cognizant of the interconnected relationship their happiness and uh, and well-being has with the people around them uh, and that they're, they're not mutually exclusive they're very much um, dependent upon each other or, or um, the necessity to take care of your mind your body and your spirit all these things are extremely important and useful um i could yeah. rattle on we'll on have books, you but... on the podcast again we can always offer more books yeah. and suggestions with the different you know subject matters that we have so i think those are really i've i don't i haven't read king warrior magician lover but i've read the other two yeah it would, uh, it'd be nice to find a female variant on that book because it, it, they're is a difference between the masculine and feminine principles of the universe. We all share both. We both, uh, we all have both. Um, but it is, uh, there are different imperatives men and women have. And one of which the men have is to do things, to actually actualize things in the world. Um, and it's, it's an, uh, an active, um, forward oriented, uh, disposition that I mean women have again as well but it's, it's to a different degree yours is more receptive uh, and um, and reactive um, so I, I could imagine that the, the female variants of the archetypes have a different uh, f um, flavor color to them well we'll have to have another conversation about that because that's cool. like that's like a whole other track yeah. that don't necessarily want to go down seminar at this moment but yeah just thank you so much for sharing yourself john and i hope you're open to being a podcast guest again sure yeah <laughs> i'd be glad to um, provide as much value for the people out there as possible because like i have uh, a lot of knowledge i mean it's, it's something that i don't even recognize just like you don't recognize the incremental progress but when i start speaking about these things like 30 ideas come to mind that are drawn from other people's minds through books and through uh, their work in, in the world um, but I can see how and hope that some of this would help others to motivate them to make these changes in their lives well then speaking you know since I have you here I just want to put a little plug for our upcoming seminar actually you and I are our first collaboration officially for cervical wellness for all those you of you who are listening, before um, the end of January 2023, John and I are having a seminar called The Other Side, which is the man's experience of the cervical healing journey. So I am inviting John to come and teach and share about what it was like for him to be on the other side of the experience of me healing my cervix myself over four years. He was there from the moment 
Actually, he was there from the very beginning when, you know, I was just kind of floundering with abnormal pap smears, HPV and cervical dysplasia. He was there when I decided to heal myself, and he was there through the chaos of the four years that ensued as I figured it out, went through the healing journey, and he has a lot to say about what it was like to be a man in partnership with a woman who was doing that. And so if you have questions about being in a partnership with a man or in a marriage, um, in relationship or dating while on the cervical healing journey and you want to hear from a man's perspective on how to communicate, how to approach it, how to... Um, be with each other in relationship as you are healing your cervix yourself. I hope you join us. It is, we're pricing it in a way that is very accessible. It's $33 for uh, probably gonna be like two and a half to three hour seminar. It's gonna be teaching us too, as well as a, a Q&A. So come with your, your inquiries, your stories, your questions, and we will share very candidly about what it was like for us uh, in relationship as I, healed my cervix and um i think it's time for the other side <laughs> of the equation to be revealed and so john do you have any final words about that offering before we log off for the day um word <laughs> <laughs> oh i mean more specifically ladies we got this and gentlemen let's do this mm. because um, this can be done it's uh, danelle has proven um, through countless, uh, what are they, observational studies with uh, just myriad women that these healings can occur. Uh, and I would hope to help the partnership um, with how to get this done. And um, men, we can really do a lot to help our partners. Uh, and I hope to offer some perspective on how to be courageous and endure in those those changes. Great. Alrighty, friends. Well, all the link to the other side to sign up will be in the show notes. And thank you all for being here. Talk to you soon. Bye, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us today, friends. If you want more cervical wellness information and content, check out my website, cervicalwellness.com, or give us a follow over on Instagram at cervicalwellness. Please share this episode if it felt right and true for you. And until next time, friends, remember, we've got this.